All right, welcome back to Ducks on the Podcast. Episode 9? Episode 9. Oh man, almost at double digits. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, yeah. Uh, So today's topic is, uh, we're going to start with uh, responsibility versus rights. And yes, it is going to be a controversial one. Um, So, Andrew, today a lot of people are talking about um, they're mostly concerned with their rights, wouldn't you say? Uh, politically, yeah. Yes, yes, politically. Um, a lot, a lot of people um, are. They they may even philosophize that rights are what grant meaning in, let's say, American life, because that's kind of where it's happening. I'd say the most where people are mostly concerned with their rights, but. Um, the reason why I mention this is because Jordan Peterson um, would always say that it's it's not redundant, but it is um, it's there, there are more pressing matters because this country is I'd imagine it, it has the most rights out of any other country. Maybe the Nordic countries come close second, but that's that's all I can imagine. I don't. I don't know how much. Uh, I don't know what countries, other countries have with concerning rights, um, in 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 ranking to compared to us. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I don't know where they stand compared to having more or less rights. And I definitely think it's um, they have some countries have more rights in other areas, um, whereas I guess uh, I I do know we we I think we both know culturally like. This nation was founded upon, you know, the, um, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's right. The freedom of all people. Right. And, uh, you know, those ideas were kind of ingrained in the founding of the nation, which have kind of still had a big effect on us now. Whereas other countries, their countries weren't necessarily founded on those ideas, and they're not super instilled into their people. Um, and yet... They still do have rights, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Where yeah, they're they're not. Uh, I mean, not that it's it's bad to be all caught up in you know what what your rights should be and should not be. Um, I, I I just think that um, that the the polarization the uh, as as the framers of the um, the Declaration of Independence said, or it may have been the Constitution, they said that. Well, Madison, I know he said that what he was worried about was um, James Madison. He was worried that um, this country would would uh, end up resorting to factionism, so like tribalism, people, the polarization of the political parties, not just the parties, of just the liberal mindset versus the conservative mindset, and that's what's happening right now. Sure. Yeah. Or I mean, you know, and even even within politics, I mean, we see it like polarized just two ways. But I mean, there's so many party, there are so many like lobbyists and huge lobbying groups that um, are necessarily do that do act as factions that pull the government uh, and lawmakers in in different ways, and that's why it's so hard to get things done. You know, because there's so much money involved with it. Yeah, that's that's true, and uh, I think. I think the Greek philosophers in Athens even even understood that when in, in under their democracy, um, 
I mean, it's I, I'd imagine it's very similar to ours, where everyone has a say, and um, and that comes with a price. And it's not necessarily a bad one, but it, it's the, the price is a hell of a lot of work to please everybody and to hear everyone out. So that's why things take so damn long in this country. I think that's the fundamental reason, anyway. Yeah, I mean, in in ancient Greece, they uh, it was. It was every like white male who ha- who owned land. Um, that those were the politicians who who were politicians, yeah, who participated in the democracy. Okay. So even if you're white male but you didn't own land, you wouldn't be able to participate. I I believe I believe that's correct. Okay. Pretty sure you had to own land in the in the, uh, um, municipality. But so it was all about race and wealth. It seems. Well, like race and like just ownership. I mean, well, like, I mean, property is. Yeah, wealth. like, wouldn't you think that, like, you know, if you own a share of a company, well, I mean, if you own a share of a company, you don't necessarily get to do, you don't necessarily have a say in the company. But if you're like a shareholder, like a like a chairman of a company, you get to say, you know, what you want going on with the, the company, right? Mm-hmm. So in a way, like companies are run, sort of like, demo democracies in a way, except limited democracies because only the people who own land or own a large share can decide what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And yet you get people who are share owners. Like they might have a few shares, like a, a, one of you or me or someone have a few shares in a company. And yet we don't get to decide what to do with the company. Even though you live in the municipality and you're a citizen, you might not be able to participate in democracy. So yeah, women couldn't participate, but, um, you know, or slaves couldn't participate. Most men uh, who were semi-wealthy had slaves, and they owned land. And so most of their time, they could pretty much, they had a lot of free time. And so their free time was spent doing a lot of different activities, exercising, and they would participate in politics. Mm-hmm. And through politics, is what you were kind of getting into, that's, they would focus, you know, they would go and be political at least like every day, you know, mm-hmm. meet up every day and talk politics. Mm-hmm. And not just politics too. It, like in ancient Greece, um, to go off what you were saying, it's like if you were privileged, and that's not to say, just, and this goes with any society, if you're a privileged person and you, here's the way I like to think about it. Um, when I when I look in my, in my closet and I see all these clothes lined up and I'm like, I have the privilege to pick out clothes that I want to wear on this day. And it's like, whereas there are many people in the world who don't have that privilege and just wear the only pair of clothes or the outfit that they have, if they even have a full outfit. But it, it, it's similar in that um, people um, who were privileged were had time and um, they were able to... Um, read philosophy, read politics, participate in exercise. Oh, it's fantastic. That's why that's why the Greeks were for their time, you know, very successful. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they knew they estimated the curvature and the the circumference of the earth long before anybody could actually prove it. Just by the way that they saw ships disappearing over the horizon on the Mediterranean Sea. Um they they um they had this place called the uh well uh, in Sparta, they had this thing called the agogi, which was kind of a training, whole training process. But we're talking about Athens, and 
It was called the... Well, okay, so a gymnasium. Gymnasium is Greek. It has, has Greek roots. And it means... Uh, it was basically a place that everybody would go to... Uh, like, uh, young citizens and old citizens alike. So, like, teenagers, adolescents, and um, older, you know, adult men would go. And they would get their... They would exercise... And they would learn, uh, they would get somewhat of an education. Um, I wouldn't say like an education, but they would like learn things there. Learn things that would be applicable to... Uh, what they're doing. In life. Yeah, sort of like a precursor to the YMCA. But it, it was much more, uh, there was much more participation. And fun fact, they would do that naked. They would always work out naked. Always. Why do you think that is so that they can, uh, maybe so uh, they can... Um... They can get over their vulnerability. Maybe. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, you got to think like, you know, undergarments. Like, <laughs> undergarments. No, they didn't really have like that back then. You know, they, they, the Greeks were like togas. I mean, this is kind of, this is based on my rough estimate of their culture. But like, you know, they, they wear like little robes. But when you're exercising, it's primal. You know, it's, you're like an animal. Mm -hmm. And so you let things hang about i mean there were no women there they wouldn't they weren't allowed to like watch you or anything so it's not like a that might be a reason why it was uh acceptable and it mm. wasn't shameful or people weren't embarrassed i guess um well i feel like the greeks i mean again i mean this is a rough estimation myself too but i feel like the greeks were more um Exalted. The Greeks or the Athenians? Um, I mean... Or just in general. In Greeks. general. Um, you got to remember Sparta, too. Yeah, there, there's all... There's a bunch of... There's, there's a... Yeah, a lot of city-states. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I feel like they were more exalted in that they didn't really um, make a huge deal out of um, out of nakedness and... The nude? Uh, yes, the nude. Um, because, because, you know... I, I don't know when it started, but I know in Victorian England, um, that's there was a lot of sexual repression going on there. I mean, pianos and chairs wore pants for fucking Christ's sake. Yeah, no, I mean, I I I couldn't tell you, man, as far as like why they were naked. I mean, I think I think it's only natural. I mean, well, sure it is. I I don't mean to say like the distant the distinction between like natural and instinctive. But, I mean, you're born naked. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think it only really matters when you're, even today, like, if you're only surrounded, if you're regarding somebody of the opposite race, or the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, at the gym, you know, I'm in the locker room, there's a lot of guys walking around naked, completely naked. And, you know, I've got no problem with that or anything like that. I mean, I usually just wear, like, a towel. You know, if I'm going to the sauna or the shower, I'll bring a towel. Um... And that that's that is mostly kind of because I'm a little insecure about it, you know. But uh, why wouldn't you be, dude? All these other fucking, I mean, it, it's not like it's not like we went through high school, um, and and you know you fucking got naked in front of your classmates for gym, ma like, like male it, male classmates. Yes, in the shower. It's like that didn't really happen. No, not for not for me. Um, not for I think a lot of people of our generation. Uh, my grandpa, though, I, I tell you, I told you this before. He had swim in high school, and he would. It, it was just a bunch of guys, and uh, they swam naked. That that was how they swam. What the fuck? 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that, See, that, that was I when mean, he was in high school. As weird as that sounds, you know, the I mean, it's just a boys it's a boys swim class. Every generation has has its ups and downs, but I I think I think that they have gotten that right because these exercising your vulnerability and getting used to it. Yeah, I know. Because we're born naked and, and, and then we and then we're clothed the rest of our lives, you know, uh, separate sex and showering from that. But we're clothed for the for our entire lives and and being and being like being vulnerable around other people in general is is a good therapeutic activity yeah and that coupled with exercise i mean and 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 with especially like the same gender you know like the same sex i i think i mean i can only speak for myself and with for some men but i feel like uh there's a it's more of a bonding process. I mean, not just being naked, but just like, <laughs> I mean, I mean more just exercising together. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I understand that. Yeah. And so maybe it's a little camaraderie. Yeah. There's come, you know, going through some sort of uh, physical program. It's, it's good. You know, <laughs> they get done and they're in the locker room smacking each other's asses. <laughs> good job today, Jim. <laughs> oh, Christ. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Sure. No, but uh, I, to bring that back to what you were t- what we were talking about with p- politics, mm-hmm. and like Athenian politics, you were talking about rights and responsibility. Yes, I wanted to take it back that, there too. That was something that was a right that they had, and a responsibility that they were expected to f- fulfill. Uh, if you were someone who could vote, you were expected to do that. So it was a norm to. Um, to be part- responsible. Yeah, and to participate in politics, yeah. Okay. Okay, see, see, that's... You brought it back to exactly the point I wanted it to be at. Um, the social justice types um, are more concerned with their rights over their... Um, over what's really meaningful, and I believe that's responsibility. Um, that's... Uh, they say... They say Jordan Peterson is a Nazi... And, and if all you have to do is watch one video and you'll see that he's not a Nazi. He's a very compassionate man. But, um, and they say that because they say he is the counterculture because he, what he's doing is he's basically the father figure and he's raising men to be masculine, to be responsible. And, and if that's counterculture, then where the fuck is the world going? People, people are, are, angry at people that want to be responsible and and improve themselves because they're interested in it yeah i think i think for sure it's there's been a decline in i mean there's been a decline in and masculine uh uh that's for fucking sure man i mean look at my hair dude it's it's long in the front i mean you wouldn't have seen this in in the the 50s not necessarily but there's also an odd definition to what is considered masculine um i think it's very broad in my opinion but there's kind of a cultural sense of masculinity and i think a biological yeah perhaps a biological Mm -hmm. sense of masculinity yeah i I, I try to meet in the middle on that yeah bio biological and but like psychological sense of masculinity. i mean you i guess you could equate psychology to personality that's what i do with with that Right, but in terms of like mixing like, you know, uh, more aggressive, uh, more aggressive behavior is in essence, well, I masculine. could be yeah, in in essence more masculine, mm-hmm. right? Because of the biological 
circumstances that we've evolved through mm-hmm. war and uh and, and death right around right. the corner men, yeah men are put in horrible situations all across history yeah and I so mean, so so are women that's i mean women were oppressed the same way that men were in war like say say in uh maybe not the same way but but say in uh marxist uh russia the if you were to retreat as a soviet trooper you would be shot sure yeah and, yeah and, and that and the repression for um again we're using the word natural but it's not the perfect word for the repression and suppression of natural tendencies of the human behavioral system is detrimental long-term effects yeah no of course i think that's that's part nietzsche that's what nietzsche says that's what nietzsche says yeah in um uh his book uh the will to power the will to power yes um but you read it no no that that was part of an excerpt that i that i heard from that book okay all right um but i do want to mention though what you brought up in the decline of uh We've talked about this before, the decline of masculinity. Yes, this is one of our favorite topics. It's been declining for a long time, for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And it's cool. Well, ever since the 60s, really. I, I feel like because, of, you know, the hippie move, the psychedelic movement. Yeah, yeah. Men, or, men were becoming more, uh, less dogmatic in masculinity. Yeah, no, I, I mean, sure, you could, yeah, you could say that. And I'd say that would be a pretty good time because, you know, at that time, too we have a lot of social re- revolutions mm-hmm. and there's a lot of kickback against uh there's a lot of kickback you know for uh sh- social norms to be changed um and, and and more fucking power to that you know sure yeah no yeah. i mean but the idea like i i think you should be able to do exactly whatever you want mm-hmm. and the idea of a social norm in general is is kind of uh normalizing some sort of behavior is is counterintuitive to progress yeah yeah progress in the idea of true freedom Mm -hmm. restricting people just on their their ability to go against the norm Mm -hmm. i have heard several times and i've read several times that um that progress um we, we when we think of the word progress we usually like when a president at a podium says we are making progress lads you know something like that we usually equate pro- uh, progress to positivity um like nine times out of ten and it's like well progress isn't always uh positivity because and, and here's where it gets fucking controversial i've been meaning to say this since episode one um the compelling of speech that these social justice types are doing through the governments in Canada, corporations in in America, universities in in the north, in the the northwest, um, is not good progress. You are like what we said earlier. We are repressing. They are successfully repressing, um, and suppressing, um, normal speech because because what they're doing is they're they're suppressing the context of our speech. Yeah, and in essence, suppressing thought. Mm-hmm. It, it, it makes sense when, uh, when, when they, when, when they suppress speech. That's like threats and um, 
and you know like like say say like someone's like oh i'm gonna go bomb this building at this and this is time it's like okay now we need to arrest that guy you know but but if, if you're gonna if you're gonna say i would prefer not to use a um a, a recently made up pronoun um and, and in the sense this is a public forum i i have to i have to say that i'm not making any judgments on that idea as of yet so hold your hold your angry shouts but um i mean yeah in essence uh, what, we're, what we're talking about is like the mainly the idea of in canada the bill bill on, c16 yeah on restricting free speech towards those who are um well uh it, it's in reference to referring to people by their uh the pronouns that they want you to use mm -hmm. and, and we need to make a distinction here because because there are there are several trans people who are not aligned with um they have been called um postmodernist neo-marxist they have been called social justice types um it's it's a long name so i'm just going to say the social justice left are um they they're they're different there are trans people in that group of course but but it is that group that is the the postmodernists who are averse to rationality and and reason because what postmodernism is is it it denies I'm sure you know this but it denies um, all conventional thought all all, con all conventional ideology so what they are is they create their own ideologies and it's, there's nothing wrong with that because that solely because everything is relative if you really think about it everything is um, constructed in a system of concepts but um, the problem the problem starts when they're being when people are being violent and they are trying to get governments on their side because um, I'm sure our audience has realized this but I, I'm pointing in the direction that that these are Marxists because they are compelling our speech and they are holding everyone to the same standard and I'll take it even. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I mean, in in reference to free speech, I mean, it's like, the idea is for from on their perspective, it's positive because it. Uh, Everyone has good intentions. Yeah, exactly. It is a good intention to, you know, have somebody be called by their correct pronouns. I agree. But. You know, and it's not like I'm out here wanting to call somebody, by, you know, some different mm -hmm. pronoun. See, it's also... Or, or that I'm disbelieving somebody's not transgender or whatever. Mm -hmm. Or believing somebody's not transgender. Or trying to make that not valid or, or in any way at all. Mm -hmm. But the idea of forcing me to refer to you in a specific way, isn't that, in essence... I mean that goes against one of the First Amendment in the mm -hmm. United States. See, and there there are good intentions in what you just said there too. Exactly, and it's like yeah. I, it's not like I. It's not like anyone would would want to say like, oh yeah, I'm not going to refer to you by your pronouns or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like, you're forcing me to. Like I I haven't I haven't been able to pinpoint it yet just yet. But it doesn't really seem like Jordan Peterson when when he when he says no I will not use your pronouns. It doesn't really seem like he's coming off as a dick. Because he's being, I mean, he's a pragmatic guy. He's being pragmatic about it. He understands all of these things. Like in in his in his video where he, where they basically pushed against him, resulting him resulting in him being this huge internet phenomena. Um, 
he he was saying uh, he's like I he's like I've studied this for a long time for forty years I've studied things like this and and they lead and there are a lot of bad people in the shadows and they are coming out soon and again they're irrational so the cameraman uh, I I don't remember if he was um, identified as a man or a woman or not but he said is that a threat so obviously to them is that is that a threat and then it's like well you just misinterpret that entirely exactly yes no I mean, and, and that's the kind of people that just fucking grind my gears well yeah what he's referring to what jordan was referring to was you know the uh obviously the communist movements and the, and the, the mm-hmm. fascist movements of the uh the 20th century oh that, yeah that came, that rose to power several of them through good intentions the banana republics is one of them you can look that up. That's it, it's. There's a video I'm gonna send you on that. That is fucking incredible shit. But uh, it, it's not. It's and you know, I don't know why we don't learn about this stuff. Why the fuck don't we learn? We learn about the Nazis, but we don't learn enough about the Nazis. But that's another topic. But we don't learn enough. We don't learn anything about Stalin. We touch on Mao. We, we touch on the part where the with the tank man, but that's it. That's all we talk yeah, about. Yeah, I, I really didn't learn much at all in world at history all, man. About, about Mao or uh, Stalin. They erased history in Mao in, in Mao's China. The, the the Red Guard went around destroying shit to erase history, and nobody remembers what happened at all. And and it seems like this might it might be happening here. Yeah, it's it's dangerous, man. It's incredibly dangerous. Well, it's a scary thought, and especially. Yeah. But it all came out of like good intentions and seizing people's rights, mm-hmm. just for the idea of good intentions. And most of it, most of were it they, came out of war. Did, did they think? What were their good intentions in in China? I don't. I like I said. I, I don't oh, we know. haven't learned. That's we right. Yeah, learned. exactly. But see, we're kept in the dark too. Right. But like, get it, a book on it. Yeah, I mean, in wartime, you know, telling people to. Uh, to give up some rights for their country, for the nation, for certain ideas mm-hmm. that they believed in, led to, well, it led to power being seized uh, from the top. Oh yeah, and uh, you know what happens to that? What happens from there? It's like when power is seized, it's hard to give up. Mm-hmm. And to to go on uh, Marxism, just briefly again. Um, Jordan Peterson said something incredible, and and it, it was a quote from Dostoevsky in Notes from the Underground. Um, Dostoevsky is a fucking genius. Him and Nietzsche are like, like same level, except Dostoevsky writes basically what Nietzsche says or Dostoevsky's thoughts in fiction novels, and Nietzsche wrote philosophy, obviously, and he also wrote Thus Spoke Zarathustra, which I want to read. But anyway, Dostoevsky said that if you think that Human beings will be satisfied if you give them just enough, just what they need to survive, served on a fucking platter. You're fucking wrong, because several thinkers have have uh, have proved this. Where um, if you do that, eventually, those people are just going to start destroying shit because they're bored. They're going to try and figure things out. They're going to want to, but like as we say, improve themselves. But, but most importantly, they're just going to try new things just to see if they're going to get a kick out of it. Because because if you're kept in that fucking standard of living where your standard is the same as everyone else, again, you're going to be, it'll drive you insane. Yeah, in a lot of ways it does. And I mean, because it goes against human 
instinct. Yes. And, yes. And um, we evolved from apes. Yeah. Who it, had hierarchies. Well, we animals, from lobsters who had hierarchies. Yeah. <laughs> animals in general. I mean, yeah. who all? It's part of the natural order. Of. Is the order of things. Yeah. I, I mean, dude, like we we evolved for three million years as Homo sapiens, mm-hmm. and when you you think of just a few thousand years of living outside of that is going to change anything no and that's what all the in essence the the problems of um our lives mostly come out of is mostly because of that and uh dealing with that is it's sometimes not within our power to fix them mm-hmm. um, yeah that's interesting um um in italy uh we, we touched on this uh, briefly in italy um the reason why the fascists rose to power, and I found out recently that Mussolini actually created fascism. Uh, he was the founder of it. He called it the fascista. Um, the reason why they rose to power so quickly in the 1920s was because in the wake of World War I, um, they were in they were in economic despair. They, and, and they were socialist. Italy was, was socialist, and so was Mussolini at the time, at the time of the war. So socialism, I, I think anybody can figure this out, is not going to get a, a country out of an economic crisis in a timely fashion. So the people were desperate for something greater. Obviously, why wouldn't they be? You know, it's natural to, to want to what? not be fucking poor. Yeah. How can we fix this? Exactly. How can we fix this? So when, so when Mussolini's going around burning down and and murdering journalists of socialist newspapers, him and his, uh, his, um, war veterans who were supporting him. Um, despite the violence, people accepted it. I mean, I, I don't know if they knew about the violence or not. You know, I wasn't there, but, um, but, but whether the, the fact remains that, um, the people supported it because it was something convenient for them. And, um, and, and and that's what I'm that's what I'm saying here. That like with the Nazis, it's the same thing. People were desperate, so they elected leaders that were horrible monsters. Yeah, and, and change, that's how it happens. Yeah, and and give them power, mm-hmm. and uh, let them persuade an audience. Yeah, and it's not necessarily like the problems that we face today aren't necessarily because of politics. Uh, I mean, I'd split in, you know, by you know, the media as well. And, and there's a lot going on about the media. A lot of people like blaming fake news and everything. Mm-hmm. But I think there's something to be said about how opinionated uh, the media has become. And how journalism is... One-sided, too. Yeah, and journalism is blending, like, uh, their own narrative into uh, these stories. And I mean partly because it, it's more attractive. You know, the media has become... It's hard to be. It's hard to be profitable. It's hard to grow, and like the media, big media companies, like anything, are companies, and in this way that we have uh, in this economic uh, setting, you have to grow if you want to be competitive. You have to grow. Mm-hmm. Competition so, is what drives progress. Yes, and so there's constant competition. Innovation, right? And so people are, and in essence, the media companies make money off people's attention. That that is basically what it is, and they they make money off attention, and uh, mm-hmm. gaining people's attention in various ways. 
uh, however they do that is yeah that's uh that's the uh, fundamental in capitalism too oh of course yeah uh, get people getting people's money essentially mm-hmm. yeah Th- that's why advertising is thing you remember in east of eden in the beginning of the book well, I, f- I forget who was uh i think it was joe he went to advertising and and it was like i'm going into a, a new trade yeah yeah i was like wow that is fascinating right yeah it came out of the 20th century yeah, yeah. like 19 maybe early 1900s yeah sure it was just fascinating when i read that i was like wow but uh yeah but but what we're talking about it's it's the reason why marxism doesn't work the fundamental reason is because human beings evolved to compete and that was and like i said that's what drives innovation so if you have no competition people are going to go you know insane yeah i mean you know marxism okay i don't want to completely okay like bear with me here but like all right <laughs> i think to an extent that somewhat of a not truly marxist but not uh, sort of a blend of uh not necessarily communist, but uh, generously socialist, Marxist uh, community could, well, somewhat of a socialist community could. Exist. Yeah, socialist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I was thinking more. Mar- I was Marxism thinking, I was thinking sounds... too definitively. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, you look at even in the uh, the New Englanders uh, when they first the Puritans. When they first settled, they were in some of their towns were uh, socialist because they had to survive. Wait, only, where? I'm sorry. Uh, in Puritan New England. Oh, okay. Yeah, they they were they're socialist. I mean, this is like the 1600s, hmm. and I mean they were just barely able to survive. You know, there's you can you can count everybody in your in your town. There's only a few, you know, maybe at most, maybe at most, uh, 150 people, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like obviously you want to share between the few families there and everything but once after the scope is too large it's too many people right too many things going on you have to write laws and you have to Mm -hmm. it's interesting because because i i know what some people are going to be thinking jake is probably going to say this while he's watching this he's going to be like he's like yeah we evolved to be uh egalitarian too and it's like it's like that's like sharing of everyone gets the equal amount of stuff it's like yeah sure we did but um we we evolved in small groups and, and it's not like capitalism is working it, as great as it could, even though it's the greatest thing we have um, for civilization. But anyway, we also evolved to be egalitarian in tribes, but we also evolved to be uh, freeloaders. So you have people freeloading and then they get shunned out. But sometimes they're so good at hiding it and being cowards that their genes pass on in the next generation and then... Then their children are taught to be cowards and freeloaders, and and you know the circle of life continues. It's hard to connect like social societal life with, uh, how do I say, uh, like pre agricultural life. Okay, because we live so yeah. much differently. Oh my god! It, it it's incredible to. The, the, to contrast these two different ways of life. Well, if you think about it, um, the archetypes that are embedded in the behavior are all were always there before we we before in, we even, in social behavior in in social behavior and anything and psychological behavior. I yeah. be, I believe that. Yeah, because um, I, I didn't mean to cut off what you were saying. No, but uh, but um, 
what Jonathan Haidt believes, um, he, he wrote The Coddling of the American Mind, one of my favorite psychologists, social psychologists. Um, he, I finally understood what he means by we, we evolved in religious communities. It is not Christianity. It is not Judaism. It is not Hinduism, the oldest religion that we know of that is still going on today. Um, we evolved in we evolved in small tribes that had religious ceremonies and they were separate from each other. You know what I mean? Like, like a hundred percent. Yeah. And, and, and every tribe had its own sort of, uh, I don't know, deities that it worshiped. Yes. You know, like if in a particular community, uh, Buffalo was the staple food, they're going to worship the Buffalo, right? Mm-hmm. They, they could, they could worship the Buffalo. And then out of that morals come out. And, and, and so when, when, when I say uh, without religion, we wouldn't have the morals that we have now, and then I get scoffed at, I, I just want to fucking scream. <laughs> Especially now, since, since I, I, uh, I mean, now I don't have to scream because, because I, I just, I realized that I was thinking of the wrong religions. Well, I, I think it's hard, man. I think it's hard when you talk about ethics and morality, mm-hmm. because I tell you, like, I, you know, I, I'm, I've been reading and I've been studying about pre-agricultural life and uh really i mean all tribes all bands these hunters and gatherers lived based on circumstance and what worked well so you mean so you you mean like like, oh it rains so uh they realize it's gonna rain again one day so they prepare for that is that well no 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 let let me say let, let me say as far as like morality goes okay with let's just say murder Okay, murder is bad, right? Okay, but what yes. if, like, uh, an injury? Like, what if, what if I get injured? Are my, are my, uh, the other is my family? These these people in my tribe, are they gonna take care of me? Well, let. There's been a few examples noted over time where it just varies, varies based on the circumstance. So, like, if you're, if you're in a hunter gatherer band where you know a band is like eight to twenty two people, mm-hmm. and you're warring with another band, right? Warring for some reason over some dispute. Waging battle. Yeah, waging battles. And you, like, in, in times are tough, times are scarce. You, you, are, an, you are injured. You pose no uh, advantage towards the, uh, to the rest of the bands or at all. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like we can't take care of you. We might just leave you to die somewhere. That's happened before. Wow. And, uh, or, you know, we might just make it quick and you can either kill yourself or we can kill you or whatever. So. It's all about practicality. You see in those apocalyptic movies or any movie that has violence, somebody's hurt and then two characters, three of them, two characters are like, we should take him with us. And it's like, no, just fucking leave him. Oh, yeah. It's all about the circumstances. Mm -hmm. You know, and people think right now they're, they're crazy for thinking a certain way, but it's like, no, it's. Only for the survival in you. of the pack yeah. and the survival of your genes, mm-hmm. and like that is based. On, you can't just take care of everybody. It sounds it sounds incredibly mundane, but when you realize that everything you see in movies, whether whether the the people that worked on the movie were conscious of it or not, is embedded, is uh, has been evolving since the time when we were monkeys. Yeah, I mean it's it's human uh, behavior and it's, it's natural. Fascinating, dude. Um, but you know that being said, to what I just said, the counter example would be where you know if you're if it you know if there's 
you're in times of re- relative prosperity mm-hmm. and you know a certain well-respected member of your band gets hurt you will probably take care of them until they get better you know or anything like that and and that's that was just kind of the way it was you know if if it's practical go ahead go with it but you know if it's anything that would threaten you know the survival of the group or anything well like that, if it was practical practicality back then i'd imagine it was uh it was new you know um i feel like i feel like they again a rough estimation but i feel like they were going off of their emotions and feelings more than uh than how we do today because because today we um we we put language and rationality and we use that to describe um things in the world whether they be physical or mental but um i I, again i just feel like it's it was different back then well in in life and death was comprehended differently as well oh yeah and they were probably happier well yeah oh i i mean i mean i can definitely i would definitely put my life behind it saying that they're happier Mm -hmm. um but in in are happier because they're they're still out there yeah it kind of yeah um but like when you think about life and death, you know, hunters and gatherers, when they they consider themselves part of the community, and part of being part of the community means that, you know, fate is to decide whether you will live today or die. That's interesting. Fate is to Whoa. decide if if the, you will hunt and kill a lion, or if you know if the lion will kill the gazelle, or or what, or you know, mm-hmm. and if the lion kills the gazelle, then that's the only gazelle he's gonna kill for that day, and it's not evil because, well, he he has to eat. You know, the the every morning, you know, the gazelle knows that he must run faster than the lion, and the, the lion knows that he must run faster than the gazelle if they're ever gonna eat. It's not like you're on Animal Planet. <laughs> well, yeah, I, but you know, it's it's all natural, and so Andrew, dude, I want you to think. Of, I want you to think of this right now. You just put something in my head. You know how in the Adam and Eve story, when God told Adam that he will he will work for the rest of his life. And he will die. But, but before he said that, he said, um, man will be the steward to life. And what you just said leads me to believe. And, and, and first of all, you got you to gotta factor in the fact how old that story is. It's a lot older than 6,000 years old. Um, I don't think so. I don't think oh, you is. don't think so, eh? No, and I'll tell you why. Did I, did, oh. I, did I talk to you about this? I don't think so, no. Okay. How old do you think it is? I think it's about 6,000 years old. Oh. And I'll man. tell you why. I'll tell you why the, the creation story is about 6,000 years old. It's around that time. Let's just say four to four to 8,000 years is it, old. Is it because civilization and agriculture started then? Is that why? No, I'll tell you why. Okay. Okay. I've been reading this book, and this these ideas were described to me. Is it Ishmael? Yes. Okay, cool. So... Who were the authors of the Bible? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. No, no, no I'm sorry. Oh, uh, that's the New Testament. The, the Old Testament. The Old Testament, I have no fucking idea. Okay. Well, we know that the the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. It's originally written in Hebrew. So we can take a wild guess and say that the Hebrews wrote it. It's not. It's not originally written in Hebrew. Is it not? No. What it is was, it? I, I told you about the Dead Sea Scrolls, haven't I? 
the most yeah. the oldest forms of the Bible that we know of. <laughs> were, they, were they written in? They were written in. Fuck, I don't think it was Aramaic. It must have been Aramaic. No, because that's when Jesus was around. I I don't know. Look up. Look up. You're looking it up right now. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Although I don't really have service down here. All right. I'll get my my phone is over there. Dead Sea Scrolls are... I, I mentioned this on the podcast, too. I, I know I did. I fucking... Yeah, we did talk about it. Started off with, with uh, my craziest idea of all. Just to get the ball rolling. Yeah, I'm not getting service down here. All right, I'll look it up. Find out what language it is. Uh, the majority of the Dead Sea Scrolls are in Hebrew. <laughs> They're in Hebrew. Okay, so it's written in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. So, this gets back to what I was saying. Um, so, where did the Hebrews come from? Uh, Middle East? Yes, Middle East. And where was agricultural... Where was the agricultural revolution born? Roughly. I don't Mesopotamia. Know. Mesopotamia in the Middle East. Iraq. Yes. Now... Now, this, that's just the tip of the iceberg, okay? There was this group... So, you know, like... You, you, you've heard the term Semitic. Anti-Semitic. Yes, yeah. There was this group called the Semites. Mm-hmm. That kind of pre-existed the Hebrews. So, these Semites... Were not they weren't necessarily hunters and gatherers, they were herders, shepherds. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. They were shepherds, and this is this is what gets to the meaning behind the. This is what leads to. It's part of the reason why shepherds are such a symbol in, in the Bible. Yeah. But they were shepherds, herders, so you know they just follow the herds of sheep around and slaughter lambs. And, um, they lived at. The south end of the uh, at the Middle East, where it bordered the Indian Ocean, um, and they became extinct. They didn't necessarily become they the people didn't become uh, extinct, but they were being pushed back by uh, a new group of people who needed land to grow crops. And uh, these were different factions of people that wanted land to grow crops, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they were not hunting and they weren't gathering, but they were growing a lot of crops. And they were settling in these villages and they needed, uh, needed land. And their population was vastly exploding. And uh, they wanted land and they were going to kill to get it. And these Semites were kept getting pushed south and south and south until they had nowhere to go and they hit the sea. Um, and what they had was no other option but to eventually become, as uh, they would become people who also grew crops, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it, it was not a, a, a fun transition. No, of course. I mean, obviously they fought to the death. I, I mean, it's, you, you even leave, leave that out even. Uh, Agriculture was not a fun transition because, um, just to touch on this briefly, we'll get back to you. But um, if you're if you're going out gathering and hunting, th- that's like that's like an activity, you know, like a real activity. You like 
Like, it's a little different every time, right? It, there's, there's room for variety. If you're farming, you're doing the same thing year by year. And that's what we're doing with work every day. We wash dishes, we prep food, and we get the fuck out of it. But, but it, I'd, I'd imagine that that is not as fun as, as growing up hunting and gathering as a child. No, it's not. Yeah. But it, it, the, it, the biggest thing is that it allows you uh, more control. It allows you to have control over your own life. And the circumstances that what those responsibility like that or no no just okay. having control when when you when you uh, when you can farm for yourself ah. you're not at the hands of God you're at the hands of you're at the hands of yourself you hold the responsibility to decide what you what you want to well if you're hunting and gathering you hold the responsibility to yourself too right yeah but you can't control the local population of deer well, why why should you it's all exactly why should you have the control. That's that's exactly why it's so bad to uh, to become agri- agricultural. And, and agricultural can be. I hope you're holding on to that thought. But ag- agricultural can can be a metaphor for consciousness or control or the eating of the apple, because you you can you can say that we were living in primitive times where um, where tribes would dance naked and be fine with it. Um, that's Adam and Eve before they ate the apple, and then they eat the apple, and they realize they're naked. Yes. Let me let me finish the story. All right. Because this, this will, I'll, that's kind of where we're getting at. But I love that story. Basically, these Semites were being pushed out by these these agriculturalists, and their way of life was dying. And so, what do you do to explain this? Well, you come up with a story. And so that's the, the best way they could do it. Wait, this, the story that they had was they had um, their it was them and their brother. Their brother was the agriculturalists, and they were the uh, the herders, the shepherds. The, um, and the shepherds were the Semite, the Semites. They they were they pleased God and God. Uh, let them be fruitful and let them enjoy good lives. And yet the agriculturalists were greedy and they didn't live good lives. And, and they didn't live as fruitfully as they wanted because they were hungry for more land. And they they killed and destroyed the Semites out of spite because their life was not as good. And the, she- the Semites called the agriculturalists Cain and themselves able. What? No. Yes. Way. Yes. Oh my god. I know. When I read that, I was just. Where did you read that from? Ishmael. Ishmael. Oh my god, man. Dude, I gotta read that book. It's it's. They came up with this story to describe what was happening. So to so them. in that book, the guy is talking to the gorilla. What's the gorilla tell him that? Yes. Wow. <laughs> yes, because Holy shit. because of what was happening. And so what what do you do? You have this story. And this story, and Cain strikes his brother down in the fields, mm-hmm. soaks the fields in blood. The blood that the agriculturalists were spilling, the Semites' blood. Dude! Oh my god, man. I know, dude. Oh my you know god. What this, you know what this means, man? I, I, I have a feeling. What do you this think? This is the creation myth. The story of creation. 
This explains agriculture, the birth of man. Now, for furthermore, furthermore, man. Okay, we're going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, get this. Okay, all right. Do you know what Adam means in Hebrew? No, but you told me this. I know you have. But yes, we we we. Okay, so the cre- the the Semites also had the story of Adam and Eve. And so Adam, we, we, we don't know what language the Semites spoke, but we can definitely assume that it's a precursor to Hebrew. Okay. Adam in Hebrew means man. Can you guess what Eve means in Hebrew? Um, woman. It means life. It means life. It means life. Okay, see, that, that's interesting. That's just fucking interesting. It's right not there. about man and woman. It's about life. Man, I think I think man is I would take it as the uh just humanity. And the com- the combination of both man and woman. And but what happens when what happens when life tempts man with the fruit from the tree of the knowledge that holds the knowledge of good and evil. Right. Right. Man takes that knowledge, that fruit mm-hmm believes that he has become God. He because he knows of good and evil. So life tempted him. What is life? What what is life? Life is the opportunity of what could be and the control that you could have. The serpent is what tempts life and the serpent represents the uh the the devil, the serpent and everything like that represents everything that is flawed with man within within self within man after yes. he takes from the apple Every, they like to say i remember learning in catechism you had a phone call there yeah i know that's uh, we, we, can, we can cut hold on no it's fine it's fine all right so so uh what i learned in catechism is um that the serpent represents satan and it's like okay you're right but but you know you you're teaching you're, i mean they don't they don't realize that they're right broadly speaking but um what you said is true uh we all have evil we all have a potential for evil within us the nazis uh before the before the nazis became the nazi party and violent and all this shit and wanting ethnic cleansing they were normal people as as uh shown in browning's ordinary men so um when you realize that you you realize that um that how good can you possibly be when people people are always saying like oh you're such a good person and it's like well maybe this person hasn't explored the evil part of them the evil that dwells within them exactly well yeah and then learn to control that you know yeah it's what jordan peterson's been saying since the, since the beginning of his career yeah yeah of course i mean i mean to to reiterate on what I was trying to say about sure. the serpent and everything. Man is living in this Garden of Eden. And the Garden of Eden is, Eden is a metaphor for how life was before the agricultural revolution. How life was. And, you know, it's blissful. Everything works perfectly, as it should be. Mm-hmm. And man is, man is living in the garden along all the other species, like normal. Paradise. Paradise. Paradise course. was... Uh, pre-agriculture. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Dude, this is, this is our best podcast yet. 
That this is fucking this knowledge. I I know, man. I'm glad that teacher gave you that book. I know it's an incredible oh read. Oh my god, man! And this is that's one of the most the biggest reasons I wanted you to read it, because of the the essence of the creation myth. That it goes into that. I could not ever fully understand it. Oh Why? My god, you know, you man. think about the rationality behind these stories. Where did they come from? Obviously, so once once the Semites, the Semites kind of died out, but they. Their, their story was adopted mm-hmm. by the agriculturalists. I think they assimilated with them eventually, and they, but they carried on this story. This story was so good. I mean, obviously, other people had different reasons why this was happening. I mean, just look at the American Indians in the West Yes. as Western expansion was taking them over, right? Mm-hmm. But The creation story is a broad fucking thing seen all across history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and, and these ideas originated where in the Middle East— where the monotheistic religions all were born. My God, man! And so, my God, I, yeah, it's crazy to think about. And I, and eventually, the Semites became the Hebrews, and the Hebrews obviously were agriculturalists, but they expanded on these ideas that were that they don't even remember where they came from. So it begs the question: When Adam and Eve realized that they were naked, instead of Instead of doing, say, what maybe the Stoics or the Buddhists would do, which is um, accept their anxieties and and, the, and like really accept them and thus be um, tranquil, calm, eternally, maybe not eternally, but but calm, they were thrown out into the um, the damnation of history. It, it, it's it's said in East of Eden. Do you remember when when the children were named? Um, I, th- I believe it was Sam who said, and, it, and I remember reading your copy of the book. It was fucking underlined, and I was like, "That is brilliant." It said, um, "It said, welcome to the world where you will be damned now and forever." Yeah, because they were named, or, or I, I don't know, but but it was it's something like that. But it, instead of instead of the the anti Semites um, trying out. The other idea they went and killed the people with the good idea yeah and see and you can you can equate that with, with the attitude that adam and adam and eve had because well they 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 were just controlled by the apple well, yeah, i mean, mean you, we're controlled by the apple i mean that gets to the premise of assassin's creed does it not what <laughs> the templars oh, controlling the apple oh, oh my god all, all power oh my god the power man. of the gods and then you know the what knowledge of good and evil N- not to get too far on this but but like uh in you, you ever play the the dlc for for assassin's creed 3 yeah, dude yeah. oh that's what you're talking about yeah oh my god it's great and then you fight george washington yeah. at the end oh he my god corrupted. yeah yeah because he was corrupted it's it's fucking brilliant man oh my god i dude. know you, you know you know in east of eden how they have a farm, this beautiful... Well, it's not really a beautiful farm, but it's a farm. In Connecticut or no, Salinas in, Valley? No, in, in Salinas Valley. Okay. Because um, it was not beautiful in Connecticut. No, no. Uh, but what happens to Caleb after his brother Aaron dies is he gets sent to the farm. He what? He, he's sent to the farm to, to farm for the rest of his life. Adam tells him this on his deathbed? No, no. Caleb goes. I don't remember that. You don't remember... This is when... So, you know in Genesis where 
Yes, after Cain was sent to the Cain land of Nod. Sent to the land of Nod. Maybe Adam was sent to the land of Nod. I don't know. No, no, no. Caleb was. Oh, he was. Okay. The land he of Nod. Marked. The land of Nod is east of Eden. Yes. Oh right? my God. But Eden yes. is Eden is a metaphor for life, uh, pre-agricultural, right? In other words, paradise. Paradise. What happens when he eats the apple? He is damned, and sent. Cain, Cain, the agriculturalists, are sent to the land of Nod to, to toil in the fields for the rest of their life. The land of Nod became the field, mm-hmm. right? It, it is the field, and it's the field that farmers work. It's the field that we go to work in. It's the f- field that millions of Americans go to, go to every single day yes, when they go the, to the office. The, yes, as I was going to say, cubicles, but, but dude... Um, he, he said, obviously he said to Adam, you will work for the rest of your life. You will tend to the animals. But what he said to Eve was you will be, uh, damned to the pains of childbirth for all of history. And Alan Watts has, uh, has conducted experiments, um, in the sixties, I believe, um, with, with women where, you know, he's a scholar of Buddhism and all this stuff. Of tranquility he's a man of tranquility uh, fundamentally so what he did was he conducted studies psychological studies on on in, on how to alter the attitude of women for preparation of childbirth so when they were on when they were the baby was being delivered it was there was no pain involved because their attitude was changed and um, they were completely calm when they considered it ultimately a beautiful thing when you consider as as you would consider it as a hunter and gatherer what do you mean do you think that hunters and gatherers the, the women who lived in those those tribes thought oh of, yes thought yes, of childbirth as maybe they did maybe they didn't i don't know perhaps perhaps not but i i would i would say that they thought of it as virtuous and yeah sac- they, sacred y- you know yeah i think you're right there I think you're very right. Whereas now it it is more of a because of the fall, right? The fall into agricultural life, it is seen as more of a a damnation. And yes, it, because because if you think about it, we were damned after we ate the apple. We we're damned after we went into the agricultural. You have world. to go through this pain of carrying and suffering. Mm-hmm. So now there's all this suffering in the world. It's later responsibility. I wanna, later, I want to talk about the 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 story of uh, the Buddha. I recently heard it. Uh, Jordan Peterson talked about it, and it's, it's brilliant. Um, it's similar to the Adam and Eve story, but um, Jonathan Haidt, when I read him, he would always talk about how he's a Dukaimian, Emile Dukaim. You know who that is? French philosopher, 17th century, I believe. 18th century, maybe. Um, he would always talk about, he was interested in religion and how um, they are the maps of meaning, if you will. Um, for human behavior and and like i said earlier up until up until recently i figured out that he meant religions pre-god you know and hinduism and things like that but but i really want to read dukaim and and i'm and i'm really excited about it because if jonathan Haidt, who i really think you should read um is interested in him then this is a this is a whole nother author that i know i'll be interested in or these are just false hopes and 
Um, I hope they're not, but but it, it just it sounds it sounds fucking interesting, man. Yeah, I think that religion sure. guides us where we how we think. Sure, mm-hmm. but I mean, yeah, I, and to to connect that all back to the beginning, I, I do think that's why the story, the creation myth, is six thousand years old, mm-hmm. or about about that. It, it, um, it's interesting. Uh, <laughs> we were on Monday at work. We were standing around the table. Well, getting all the the sorbet ready or the ice cream ready, and um, and and DJ mentioned uh, Star Wars, and 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 we were talking about why it's significant, and and I'm like, dude, it's so deep, and DJ's like, is it is it really deep? Tell us why it's deep, Marco, <laughs> and, and I'm like, here we go again. <laughs> so so I, I I said what I usually say, George Lucas studied mythology. Um, and and uh, instantly they they go to naturally instantly they go to um, Greek mythology. So they're like they're like oh was Vader Zeus? And it's like maybe I don't know that story. But I told them what I'm referring to is Christian mythology, and it's that is another one of those controversial things that can get me in trouble. What, what I mean? referring to Christian? The Bible is mythology. Of course yeah. it's mythology. Well, I mean, of course it's mythology, but... Capitalism is mythology. Okay, wow. Yeah, you're right. It is. It, it, it is, but that's that's taking it to a whole nother level, man. So is communism. Yeah, yeah. It, it's art, too. Everything is art. Everything is artistic. But but before we sound too crazy... <laughs> <laughs> I hear voices. <laughs> but yeah, before we sound too crazy... Um, it, it is, it is mythology. It's, it, it's, uh, their union archetypes are, are rooted in mythology and, uh, the saving of the father, as, as we've talked about in episode two, I think the story of Jonah is, yeah. is basically the story of Pinocchio, um, Star Wars and Return of the Jedi, um, and all this other stuff, but it's, it's very important, but to connect the Adam and Eve story to the Buddha story um it's the buddha is a story of coddling um he was a prince i'm sure you knew that yeah prince siddhartha uh Gautama. he left yes eventually he left but he was surrounded by walls and he was uh, by by walls you know you, you kind of like uh equate that to the walls in attack on titan everything's fucking paradise to all the all the laymans as they describe in the first episode but um but he's He's uh, he's always around perfect people. Nobody's sick. Nobody's old. No, not, no, none of that. Everything's fucking grand. He has a harem of women, and he's he's surrounded by pleasure all the time. So it's the Garden of Eden for him. And one day he's looking. He's looking beyond the walls, and he's like, "I wonder what is on the other side." So he's like Aaron, and Armin, dreaming of the other side. Yeah, dreaming of the sea, and. Um, and his father is like, no, you don't want to go out there. Or, or no, he doesn't say that. He, he says, he says, oh, okay, tomorrow, this and this is the time we're going to go out there. We're going to get you on a chariot. We're going to show you the town. So immediately his father runs out and he's like the king, right? He's like the king of this, this, this area. And he's like, he's like, all right, you old fucks, you geriatrics, you sick bastards, you evil shit mongers. Get out of the streets. We, we don't want to see you. Get inside your houses. Get the hell out of here. Because my son is coming out and he's going to see the world. 
So this happens. And and the person, this is important, the person running the chariot is, um, well, first, first I, I should mention, in, in the beginning, there, the, the gods have all, the, the Hindu gods have already decided that Gautama, the Buddha, will become awake, the Buddha. Um, so, so it's out of his father's jurisdiction. So on the chariot, the one of the gods is is uh, manifest is incarnated into a, a a flesh body, and and he's tempting um, the Buddha. He's tempting the Siddhartha. Um, he, he's he's like he's like you know like uh, like luring him into his own imagination. You know what I mean? Kind of like with the apple and the serpent. So. Um, uh, eventually, uh, you know, you, you can't get all the old men and the dying people off the street. So an old man stumbles down, a sick man stumbles down, and he's like, "What is wrong with this man?" And um, and and, they, and the god says, "Well, he is uh, he is old. He is dying, and uh, it is thus that this happens to everyone." So the Buddha freaks out. You know, it, it's like that wake up call. Like I'm gonna die. Death anxiety. You know what I mean? Same thing when God tells Adam and Eve that they will be damned for eternal history. You know? So the Buddha sets out on a quest to try and rid the world of suffering. A coddled man, a coddled person, um, turned his life around. And uh, he goes and he lives below his means, or just by his means, right? I think so. He eats enough to feel satisfied. Mm -hmm. He is very. Uh, he is in much ways a, a response to. W would you say he is a response to how people should live in a societal life, like in society, yeah, within, within yeah. civilization? Because he 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 eventually developed ultimate compassion, and he tried so many ways. He even tried starving himself. Just look at the starving Buddha statue. It's fucking creepy. But. Well, and I think that's the way that Je that Jesus is a symbol for. I mean, Jesus was a real person, mm -hmm. but well, you know. I mean, you don't know that. No, no, I mean, there was a guy that they killed. Well, there was a guy that he claimed to be Jesus. Pa the, the, yes, he the claimed, incarnate he claimed. of God. There was somebody, who, I mean, who who people called Jesus, mm -hmm. who was and, killed by Pontius Pilate, who was a Roman. Uh, you ever seen the Passion of the Christ? No, I haven't. It's pretty fucked up, uh, but it's it's overrated. I don't know. Maybe maybe <laughs> I should maybe I should see it. Um, you should but, watch the Ten Commandments, if anything, with Charles and Edson. Here, okay. Here. Let me just—I have it right here. Yeah. Um. Oh. Ten Commandments. Well, yes. yeah. You know, one of the uh, well, I guess not the Ten Commandments, but the uh, Seven Deadly Sins is like gluttony and uh, you know, envy stuff like that. Where, you know, in, in a way, it tells you a good way to live in society. Let me see. It. You know, within society. And. uh that's fascinating. That's. Yeah. Uh, you want me to watch it? I mean, you can if you want. I kind of. I'm looking for a good movie to watch. I mean, I I, I know that movie is revered in uh, in Christianity, and uh, Judaism, but I I've never seen it. It's just so damn long. You've I, never seen it? I, I one of these. I I know I know of it. I because I've seen, I've seen spoofs in The Simpsons. I've seen uh, little clips of it on YouTube. Yeah. Okay. There's a really funny. There's a really funny Simpsons episode that covers that idea, where Homer steals Cable, but in the beginning it's like this intro, of like, where, where Moses has the burning bush, you know he's on the mountain and and he he speaks with God, and 
and it's it's interesting. Uh, forget the Simpsons. It, it's 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 interesting because in Thus Spoke Zarathustra, in the beginning of the book, I know that he achieves enlightenment, and and if you ever you ever seen the cover of the book, or you ever seen the painting, the uh, the wanderer who stands above the the sea of fog. You ever see that painting? No. So so that's that's the that's the metaphor for what the book is, um, or, or what Jesus is or Buddha is achieving enlightenment. Because yeah. because you come down and then you see the foggy, um, and this is gonna sound entirely lofty, but it, it's it's just it's an idea in mythology and art. But um, Zarathustra came down uh, from the mountain, and he he was completely different from every single person that he knew he was and 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 i don't know anything about, about the book but from, from my in my opinion i feel like if that were me i would go insane like 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 anxiety like like uh probably um probably a heart attack eventually because like because i understand all like dj asked me he's like he's like if you could understand the laws of the universe. A genie came to you and, and you and you could do that. Would you do it? But but here's the catch. You wouldn't be allowed to tell anyone. And it's like you equate that to Zarathustra trying to tell people what his what his findings and they don't understand shit of it. So it's like it's like if I could be Zarathustra, I would not. Because I would probably end up killing myself. Probably. Yeah, and that would be the most logical thing to do in my opinion. And do you think that would be literally knowing the knowledge of all good and evil? Beyond good and evil, dude. Beyond good and evil. If you read Beyond Good and Evil, that's what Jordan Peterson says. If you, he says reading Beyond Good and Evil is a good thing to understand before you read the novel. Yeah, uh, thus spoke the. Yes, Peterson. yes. Hmm. It, it, Nietzsche, we were talking at work how how dangerous it is for people like you and me to be our age reading Nietzsche. He's, he's he's so. He said something uh, I, yesterday. Um, I, I heard something he said, um, and it was, it was, um, if you. Um, it was something along the lines of, um, the 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 only way that that you can know if if you actually agree with with something is if it, it embodies your personality and your lifestyle. Otherwise. You're just flirting with yourself uh, with some fantasy. And Alan Watts has said that too. All these thinkers are fucking intelligent. But, um, but yeah, th that really got me. I, I was like, I, so, so immediately I was just like, like, uh, I was like, do I, do I believe in what Carl Jung says or something like that? Because, because, you know, I love it. But, but like five minutes later, I was like, God damn it, Nietzsche. Why, why you got to make me question myself like that? You know? Yeah, dude. I mean, isn't that? But isn't that good? It's yes, like, that is what you need. It is very good. Um, you need to be able to question yourself. It just put me in a place for a second. I'm playing Battlefront, that dying game, and uh, and I'm like, I'm like, whoa, uh, maybe I is, is Jordan Peterson really someone that I enjoy? And, Does... and then and then sorry, immediately I, I thought, well, I enjoy cleaning my room because of him. Um, I, he, he's he's furthered my love for Dostoevsky, um, and all these things. So it's like, yes, I think I do embody that part of him in my life. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, you know, I think it's interesting to think about, uh, to think about that. You know what's, you know what's interesting? What? Right now, um, like for the last 10 minutes, I have been completely in the moment of the conversation. I, I think, I think the whole podcast has been great, but I think it really leapt off when, when you talked about the Semites and the anti-Semites being the creation story. Yeah, dude, that's an incredible story. I, 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 I really can get behind it mm-hmm. because I know nothing. I know nothing else. Anyone can get any reasonable person can get behind that. Someone who is not blinded by ideology or God or something. Like forget look. ideology. You know, I mean, that's 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 um, okay, yeah. that's one of the uh, rules of, of Jordan. I want to read that book. Do you have a copy of that book? The original. The Twelve Rules for Life. The, yeah, the original, yeah. I have it. Can I borrow it someday? I yeah. I'm done with this one. Yeah, I mean, it's online, too. Well, I don't, I don't want to do that. Okay, that's fine. I don't want to destroy my eyes. But, uh, but, but yeah, dude. Yeah. I, I understand. Uh, it's, it's a great book, right? Uh, but, yeah, I think that gives a very rational explanation for these ideas. That they came out of, I mean, they came out of death. They came out of being pushed to the brink. Literally. Of their their own uh, existence. I mean, they were pushed towards the sea, and there was no place to go. They were pushed. To, the, the Semites were pushed toward the sea. Yeah, okay. they couldn't go any farther, and so, um, yeah. So it gives a fantastic explanation for the creation story, man. Mm. The story that was such a nobody knew, nobody could explain it, but they could only believe it. You know what's fucking fascinating? Um. When I was, sometimes when I when I speak about things, I, I I say them, and then as I'm saying them, I realize it. Like when I was talking about how, um, the Buddha wanting to see beyond the wall, you can equate that to, um, Aaron and his friends wanting to wanting to see the sea, because him and Armin, you know, that's their dream, to see the sea. Yeah. And uh, yeah. But uh, but it's. It's it, it it can't it can't be that that they didn't intend it to be that way. They had to have known all those stories and myth and all those archetypes because it is so accurate. If I, I know this is going to sound biased, but when Jordan Peterson says there is no anime that is better than Attack on Titan, uh, I think you should fucking listen to him. <laughs> A guy who's been studying Carl Jung and Nietzsche and Dostoevsky and all of these scary thinkers. Better in regards to its connection towards the human experience. Yes, yes. The human experience in agricultural life, mm-hmm. as we yes. are now. And even I don't mean to say that agricultural is in like, I don't, I don't farm. You don't farm. We're not agricultural. This, you could say this is agricultural. Yeah, because you see in the in the first episode after Aaron wakes up from his dream, he's uh. He's, they're collecting wood. They're they're doing right. labor. They're doing yeah. Yeah. chores that are, I mean, really unnecessary if, if you were to be in uh, pre-agriculture and society. Do you have to yeah. go anywhere? Uh, no, my dad was just texting me about a food truck. It's in our neighborhood. I think he knows. I think he wants to. Uh, Those have been around, man. Ask what I want. Yeah, they're at my house, at my subdivision every Wednesday. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. We're an hour and twenty. We oh done, wow! We haven't done one of these in a long time. 
Wow. Yeah. I decided to. I, I decided probably. Aren't halfway, you gonna be late? No, no, no. I decided halfway through this, I'm not gonna go because, dude, I'm not. I'm not going to the bathroom every ten seconds in a public bathroom. Could you cut this? For a second. Sure. So you're not going to class today? No, no, no. I it, it, it's not worth it. Um, I, I I used to have to do that in in school, and it's like in, in when I was at Macomb. That that's when I that's when the foundations of IBS started when I was at Macomb, probably my second year, and and like it, it's it really takes you out of it when you're trying to pay attention and you have to get up like every. 10 or so minutes when you have a stomach ache makes the experience frustrating yes yeah it's very frustrating and mm-hmm. I, I don't want to go through that yeah and the things that you learn aren't as uh you connect with the uh the feeling that you feel at that time mm-hmm. and, and plus it's like I, I i mean i i like i like looking at the lecture notes myself now like i like i like going on the powerpoints and looking at it myself plus i can't really understand the guy you know when he speaks, and it's like that. That it frustrates me at times. Cucaracha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the cucarachas. <laughs> he. Uh, th- there's sometimes where I'm like so angry, where I'll, I'll, well, I'll just like fucking stare him down until he looks away because I'm like, how dare you fucking teach this class so mediocrely? Like, Take off your fucking mask. You know, like like it's. I mean, it's also things that are out of control, like. The, uh, the acoustics of the room. It's a giant room. But I, either way, I sit there in frustration. I always have a headache. I feel it in my eyes. You know, because when I sit in there, I, I, I think it's because of the frustration. Um, whether I realize it's there or not. But yeah, I, I'm not I'm not doing that. Have you thought about online classes? I have. I you don't, could tune in online? Nah, I mean, some, some do both, but I don't want to do that. I kind of enjoyed it when I did it. I did it through Macomb. I I did, I kind of enjoyed it too, but but um, getting getting sitting in a class is a lot more interesting. Yeah, it is. It is. Although it would be it would make it would be easier if you if you it was closer. You know? Well, it's only thirty. I mean, it, I have to leave. Yeah, you know what? I think you're right. Yeah, I I, I have to leave within an hour. Yeah. Yeah, I I just feel like that's uh, if you got stuff going on, you know. You know what fucking really sucks? What? I just realized this. Um. Obviously, doing a podcast is going to be a lot easier than sitting in a class with a stump with a horrible stomach ache, which is fluctuating right now. Um, we could have done it with Steve, dude. We could have done this podcast with Steve. We still can. I mean, I mean, I I would have. Uh, I I do have a schedule. Everybody does. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like like Steve himself. You know, I I that's why I want to say like uh, either three forty five or. You know, six. That works. Uh, six. Yeah. Well, didn't, I mean, didn't he say? Didn't he say we could do it at? He six? He did say six. Yeah. But uh, you know what? I I think it is uh, too late now. I mean, I I was saving my energy uh, today. I was saving my my intellectual um, aspirations. So I, I was not watching Jordan Peterson. I was not watching any lecture or even reading this book today because I was saving it for the podcast in school. Because what, what usually happens is I, I watch lectures all this fucking time. And then by the time I get to school, my brain is all worn out and I don't really want to pay attention. Sure. Yeah, you don't want to get exhausted, man. I get I get mentally yeah. exhausted, yes. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, uh, Joe Rogan does he, – now he's doing longer podcasts. 
but he's got he's gotten his shit together now for sure. But you 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 listen to like his taking place like three or four years ago. Not only did he sound a bit slower and less articulate, but he, uh, you know, he was only doing like hour and a half, two hour podcasts. Do you mean? Do you mean like uh, like when he was on UStream or when he was no, on YouTube? YouTube. Okay. YouTube and 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 Apple Podcasts. Okay. But you know now he's he's taking all these mental supplements. He's got his shit together. And he, well, he's, he's been doing that for a long time. He's been he's been doing that since the beginning of his show. Yeah, like uh, Shroom Tech and Alpha Brain. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. But there's some good episodes back there. He he's gotten he's figured out how to do podcasts too, and and he's like I think we're still learning. Well, he's a lot. growing. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Right now, we we are. I mean, I'm not saying we're where he was at. We're not fucking. No. We're not comedians. We, the 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 biggest guest that people would know is Chef Dan. <laughs> so yeah, I, being I mean, a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, just, just because you know he's like a, he's like a chef. You know, he's like a high status kind of kind of guy. You know what I mean? Higher yeah. higher status. Sure. You know? Sure. Yeah. So, and and the the equivalent that I can draw from the Joe Rogan experience is that we're sitting on couches. You know. Yeah. But like they used to literally just like recline and do a podcast. Yeah. They'd be sitting there all high, like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, I mean, I don't want to compare us to to them or whatever. I mean, obviously, they're that's the biggest podcast there is right yeah, now. Man. And we're probably the smallest, but yes. I, like I said, well, I wanted to get into this to record ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? In this podcast, is is, is uh, this is a great example of that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. No, yeah. and and perhaps to share them with anybody who could find it interesting. Ah. Yeah. One, one day, Kermit will uh, will join us in the conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember we, we talked with about Dom. That. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, no, no, Kermit. He's uh, no with Dom. What? What the fuck are you talking about, Kermit? Cut, sorry. cut, cut. I thought, we were ta- <laughs> I thought we were referring to Kermit as Dom. No, we're referring to Kermit as Kermit. He's just been in a, in a, in a very long uh, session of meditation. Yeah. this whole time. Yeah. yeah, you know, even when he falls over, he he views the sounds of the universe. As music, as yes. Alan Watts would the say. sound of us, the sound as... of us talking, the sound of the furnace. So you see, Alan Watts, <laughs> he would he would always say that brilliant man. You have a problem with Alan Watts? I have. I don't know who he is. You should listen to. I him. have not studied him. You should listen to him a little, little bit. But uh, Alan Watts would always say, um, "Don't let someone scream if you're trying to meditate in your car." Don't let somebody screaming in the parking lot be like, "Dude, you should have seen her yesterday." Like something like that. Don't let that disrupt your meditation because that, like silence, like things that, like the thing that you call silence, which is actually just, you know, more silent than that, is also just another thing. That makes noise in the universe. Yeah, there's still noise. There's mm-hmm. always going to be noise. Yeah, it, it's just, it's all about your attitude, right? You equate that to, to what he was doing with the women in pregnancy, and and it's it's the same thing across the board. Changing your, your attitude, your attitude, your perspective towards things. It's hard to change that, though. Yeah, it very. I did it. I I was on. Uh, I, I told you this probably. I definitely told you this. I was on for like eight months. It, it seemed like I was on fucking like ecstasy to people because. Not ecstasy. I was just I was just in, incredibly calm, 
in many situations like 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 I like people told me that I was a soothing presence for them it's because I was interested in stoicism more than Buddhism and and I was like deep in it like every day I had a routine where um, I would get up I'd do my yoga for like 30 minutes then I, I mean first I would take a cold shower do my yoga for 30 minutes um, and a long cold shower too because I enjoyed it at that time I was doing it because I felt inspired but um, and then I would go outside and and water the plants and I, and I enjoyed all of it that's why I was so tranquil and then, and then I would read a book I would sit outside and read a book for like 30 minutes um, and it was just great man it, that was my routine and I would just do that every single day and I I'd wait till the end to play video games. It was incredible. Yeah, there there is something to uh, doing as you as you like, but I mean, you know, in in when it comes to like changing your attitudes towards a certain condition, sometimes it's hard though because your condition is the same and you try to get out of it, but this the circumstances that make your condition. Like, make you in the condition that you're in, the circumstances don't change. Or, like, they don't they don't perceive to change. Well, see, the, the Buddhists would say that and the circumstances change because the attitudes and the circumstances are the same fucking thing. Perhaps but, they are, yeah. Well, I mean, perhaps they are, sure. And, and and for a long time, I was trying to force myself to, to agree with that idea, like how Nietzsche warned against. But um, I don't understand it. Um, I slightly, I mild, not mildly... A pinch. I have a pinch of that understanding where they're the same because they imply each other. The circumstance implies the attitude, and it's like, it's like, see, what I was, why I was so tranquil at that time was because I didn't let the circumstances disrupt my flow of my flow state, you know, of positivity or not positivity of just being content with the situation. When yeah. I, when I would play video games, um, and some fucking lag spike would come up, I'd be like. Just a game of code. There's just code. Yeah, it's all it's all ones and zeros, man. It's just lights. Yeah, just lights, man. Yeah, but that's basically what I was like, and I accepted. I, I, to this day, I don't know if I was suppressing my, my ideas, my, uh, my feelings or not. I don't think I was because I felt inspired to feel that way. But eventually, it all started to to go away. Um, I, I don't remember why exactly, but. I wish I would have done some journaling on that, but yeah. Um, it, but why did it get started? I what, think what? it was because I had a, a fascination with Marcus Aurelius. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. That was around the time that that I that I gave you back East of Eden. Because I, yeah. I remember I handed you yeah. meditations, which I wasn't really interested in. For, for whatever reason, but I was interested in Marcus Aurelius's ideas. It was just the format of how it was written. I, I couldn't get into it. Well, I mean, yeah, it's his journal. Yeah, it's, it's his journal. It's just a know? journal, and, just and of the ideas. He it had. was like little paragraphs of, of his of his thoughts. Yeah, know? and it's like I don't really. I would rather listen to a video on Marcus Aurelius and explaining the connections that it has to Stoicism. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and it's, it's just great, man. Like Stoicism is incredible. Sure. Yeah. No. And uh... there's so many books I want to read. Man, search for meaning. Uh, there's, there's a bunch of them. Man's search for meaning. The first part is really good. The story, the story, but then explaining. I think you should read that. Do you want it? Well, yeah, I want, yeah, I want it. You want? You, I, you I, want I, me to I, give you it? it? It's not gonna be on the back burner, but it's gonna be on the back burner 
for this and probably a few more books because there are some novels that I want to read. This then, is yeah. This is you. You know who David Duchovny is? No. Okay. You know you know the guy from the X Files? No. Here there it is. All right. So he has quite a career. This guy. Um, he writes music. He writes like folk, like pop folk music, which is awesome. Great, great stuff. He um, he was an actor, a writer, director. He directed several episodes of the X Files. Um, and he wrote this book recently, this this novel, and um, he really surprised everyone in in the industry, in the publishing industry. Like, yeah. he, like this book was released this year, and it's about. It's about Bronson Powers, who is a modern prophet. He's a Mormon prophet. And this is a little crash course on Mormonism, this book, this novel. And Mormons believe that there can be modern prophets, as opposed to Catholics, who believe they don't. And it's, it's a fascinating book, because in the beginning of the book, he goes to an interview to get in, indoctrinated into the Mormon church, the Church of Latter-day Saints. And the elder who is interviewing him is this... You know, he, the, the, the typical kind of like, we're not going to go too deep on on the ideas in Mormonism because because the state will be on our ass for it. So here's an example. When in, in, in Illinois, when they were trying to get Mormonism legit and make it so that they could be separated from the state, um, they toned down the, uh, the multiple uh, partners in marriage part of it so that they could be um, accepted. And, and um, in the book, uh, Bronson Powers is, he can quote the Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, the, the literature of it perfectly, just in his memory. And, he, and he's talking about how, how necessary it is, like the spiritual uh, essence of, of having multiple partners and all this stuff. And he's making, he's making the interviewer sweat. He's making the, the leader of the church sweat because he, he is... He is a dangerous man, as it's said in the book. A dangerous, he's like Jesus Christ. Someone who is completely indoctrinated and firmly believes that this is right, that what he's doing. And so he is a prophet. I wish I knew more about Mormonism. I, that's all I know. It's, I, I it's, really, I, th- I find it fascinating. And I, it, here's, I, I don't know if it's true or not, but it seems like, here, I, I, I did a little, I marked it. Okay, so um, I, I, I'll just go off my mind. So um, I think that Mormonism is, uh, based off this book, I think, it, I think what they do is they tone down the miracles that Christ performed and they focus on the philosophy of it. Let me see if I can find it because it was, it was really good. It was really interesting. It was something to do with Jefferson. And yes, I, I know that Jefferson was... Uh, okay, here it is. He read, Bronson read somewhere that Jefferson had crossed out all the miracles in his copy of the New Testament, leaving only the teaching and parables of Christ. But where was the fun in that? Um, essentially, Jefferson had cut out all the movie-worthy moments in the old book. So Bronson, before he became a prophet and lived, on, lived in the desert... He was a stuntman, a stunt coordinator. So he's equating his stunt coordination to the miracles in, in, uh, in the film industry. Because, because uh, they were nearing a point where they're using 3D computer effects instead of stuntmen. So, so that's the miracles being taken out of, 
um, Jefferson's Bible, you know. So, um, let's continue here. It's, it says, leaving no place for a stuntman to turn water into wine. Cast out demons, touch lepers, or return from the dead. Um, it's, it's, it's just a, a great book. And th this is his fourth novel. And it's ten pages in, I was like, oh my god, it took a fucking turn. It's so good. It's called Truly Like Lightning. It, it's similar to East of Eden. He definitely read East of Eden. It's a novel? I, yes, it's a whole novel. It's like 600 pages. It's incredible, man. It's so good. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's fucking amazing. Yeah. Um. It's a new book. Yeah. Like wow. It's not a It's that, not a classic that, yet. That tells you that there's always uh new, new stories coming out, mm -hmm. new things to look forward to. Yeah. Um. Hey, man. Uh. Hey, man. <laughs> uh, I Time gotta, for you to go, eh? Yeah. Yeah. You always gotta be like all like uh like prancing around the bush you know? well yeah i mean i don't want to say all right time for me to go you know it's time for me to fly or or when i when i asked you if i can if you can if i can have a sandwich you know, <laughs> you know like, yeah yeah like man i'm sorry just so we remember <laughs> this I, I i andrew called me 10 minutes before you arrived he's like dude i do i'm so sorry i'm asking you this <laughs> i'm just coming from the gym i am starving can you make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what happened all right all right let's get to you the hell out of here all right so uh that's a pretty good podcast don't you think episode nine yeah that was a really good one man like like this is this is one that i'll be listening to for our ideas for yeah. the times to come oh yeah but yeah um well we'll catch you next time yeah as we said uh the few listeners that are listening uh it's not really about you entirely <laughs> yeah yeah sorry <laughs> entirely you not know about you <laughs> yeah sometimes it's it's a it's, it's about just the ideas it's about yeah. me mm -hmm. the, the me. It's, it's the ideas that that come and then if you want to listen that's that's beautiful to me you know what I mean? yeah but if it's not with your time it's not with your time exactly yeah but uh, Fair enough. but uh thanks thank you for listening if you do and uh thanks for tolerating my bashing of the audience yeah <laughs> Rico.